Hey there, listeners. Welcome to episode 106, I believe, uh, <laughs> which is about vegan dating. I got inspired because I have a recording from a couple years ago, Anne Dinshaw, who's the daughter of uh, Jay and Freya Dinshaw, the founders of the American Vegan Society, as you may know. Anne Dinshaw is their daughter, and she wrote a book called Dating Vegans. And I interviewed her about that when I saw her at an event a couple of years ago, the Vegan Spirituality Retreat in Philadelphia. And then um, I was like talking to Lo V, my co-host of recent. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was saying we should do this dating show. And then so we were going to do that together. But I haven't seen her in a couple of weeks and uh, she's fine. She's in love. <laughs> She's dating a non-vegan, so I'm not sure how that's going. It seems like it's going pretty well. Um, but unfortunately, she's not here to talk about it. So I am going to give you a little uh, narration of my love life and becoming vegan. <laughs> but it'll be quick and hopefully entertaining, and uh, you can skip over it if you don't want to hear it. Um but the other interviews I conducted more recently, actually on the day before Valentine's Day, I interviewed uh, Leigh Chantel, who runs a website called Viva La Vegan, um, f has easy-to-prepare recipes, blogs, articles, podcasts, interactive forum, informative, and how-to videos, interviews with inspiring vegans, vegan mentoring, and e-books, print books, and much more, according to her website. The other interviews, Ian McDonald, who... Uh, is a vegan historian. He's raising funds through a Kickstarter project to start a uh, vegan history podcast, which should sounds pretty interesting. And he's in Great Britain. Oh, Le Chantel, she was in Australia. I Skyped with her, and then I talked to Ian McDonald. No relation to Ronald McDonald, by the way. <laughs> At least not that we know of. Um... And so, and then I talked to him about what it's like dating in England with the vegan scene in London. And I talked to Le Chantel about what it was like dating in Australia and around the world. Apparently she travels a little bit. And then the um, third person is Ben Shaberman, who is writing a book called, or has written a book called Jerry's Vegan Women. And it's a fictional account of a dude who starts out as an omnivore and he dates different women and through dating them becomes vegan. He meets a vegan and then starts that relationship ends and the and the uh, character begins dating other women who are vegan or non-vegan. And, and, and I guess there's some stories that are just about it's basically all the women in his life that have influenced him. So I guess they're not all dates. Um, anyway, I'll let Ben talk about that. And at the end of the podcast, we'll have a excerpt from his uh, book that he narrates. So that'll be at the very end. Um, but those three interviews will be coming up after my love life narration, which is exciting and interesting and very exciting.
And so I'm just going to let those uh, four interviews run consecutively without any in-between banter. And and at the end, it's going to be Ben Shaberman's narration of his own story. And that will be the end. And hopefully I'll be back with a radical co-host like Lo V next time for another show that's probably about love, but in a different way. I hope you all have a wonderful love laugh, whether you're alone or with somebody. I hope your lives are full of love. And here we go. My life's work has been finding love. In the beginning, there was family, and it was pretty good. When we were young, we accept what we were told until the cracks in the story appear and force us to be more discerning. Sometimes we build walls to keep that from happening. Sometimes we live our lives within these walls, believing we are free. In my story, I started yearning for the love of girls pretty young. I was shy and goofy and lacked the confidence to ever win the hearts of any of them all through school. I didn't have a girlfriend until I was in my 20s, so high school was disappointing. I got into drugs and alcohol to dull the pain of my romantic failures. <laughs> that probably didn't help, although I was able to blunder my way into a few drunken makeout sessions. One time I came close to losing my virginity. I was too drunk to get my equipment working. Hate to admit it, listeners. It's true, though. And so this is how much of my youth was just wasted, being wasted. After high school, I went into the Marines. It's true which turned out to be another dead end for romantic love. The drugs and alcohol I imagined I would have left behind were not left behind. I had a handful of sexual adventures, and I did manage to lose my virginity. <laughs> but that didn't satisfy my heart's longings. They only made me more aware of my aloneness. Thanks in part to my substance abuse, I escaped the Marines a year early. Pattern of misconduct, general discharge. Hmm, the civilian world did not offer up my dream of a girlfriend either. I had one three-month affair that ended painfully, and more meaningless sex now and again. Things started to change around the time I became 26 and decided to be a vegetarian. It wasn't that it was a new genius dating strategy, but rather that I had gone back to school for photography and my consciousness was beginning to evolve. I went into a community college in Syracuse, New York to earn an associate's degree in photography. During that time, I explored many realms of the psychedelic multiverse, let me tell you. I realized that the psychedelics were more medicine than drug. Whereas alcohol dulled my senses and had me following my baser instincts, mushrooms and LSD expanded my consciousness, broke down my ego, and gave me a true experience of the divine. Om. It took me a while to realize that these medicines were more than recreational pleasures. But the seeds they were planted, or should I say the spores, were manifested. I spent the second half of my college years in Rochester, New York, studying fine art photography at RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology. RIT had seven different photography majors, most of them quite technical. I found out that my major was more about art than photographic technique. The evolution of art is the evolution of a language that represented visually by images and three-dimensional objects. 
the language becomes more complex as time goes on because modern pieces often symbolically reference art from previous times. In the realm of concept and interpretation, there can be many layers of meaning on an art piece. Some artists strive to advance the dialogue with their work, while some are less interested in that intention, but still evoke the same dialogues with their works. All this to say, <laughs> I began to experience a world that had been hidden from me. I started to question a lot of my assumptions. I was hanging out with feminists and queers and hippies and geeks. I had a short relationship with a cute redhead headbanger, but she was more like the old me that I was shedding. It was during this time I organically began cutting flesh foods out of my diet. First I got rid of red meat, and then chicken, and finally fish. In my mind, I was trying to be more healthy, but I now believe the impulse was coming from somewhere less superficial. During the summer before my senior year, I went into a month-long four-credit photo workshop in the desert southwest, camping all over Colorado, New Mexico, and Utah. It was so fucking beautiful. I met my first vegetarians on that trip and developed one of my famous unrequited crushes on one of them. Another redhead, as it turns out. My conversations with her inspired me to give up meat for good. I also was taught yoga for my first time on that trip in some of the most beautiful places I've ever been by my photography teacher, Willie Osterman, Kundalini Yogi. That yoga seed would take a few years to sprout, but the vegetarianism stuck. I graduated college with two three-month relationships under my belt, the last one being with a sweet vegetarian girl named Melanie who I met working in a photo lab. Something's always developing in photo labs. <laughs> it was about a year later that I was visiting a new unrequited love, who I had just found out was a lesbian. She lived in Rochester and now I lived in Syracuse. I was still deep in friendship with her and her girlfriend, both vegetarians. Ah, unrequited love. What a crazy thing. What a crazy thing. We went to a vegetarian Indian restaurant called India House Cafe. My ex-girlfriend Melanie was working there. There was also a gorgeous blonde woman wearing a red Indian Punjabi and a bright red lipstick. She had a dog choke chain around her neck and I had a crush on her right away. Ooh-wee. Melanie, my ex, she was kind enough to put us in touch with each other because she was my friend still, you see? Keeping your ex-girlfriends as friends is something everyone should do, your ex-partner of whatever gender or orientation. You know, unless they totally fuck you over, you should keep them in your life. Why invest all that time in someone just to push them away because it didn't work out? Anyway, Melanie, kind enough to put me in touch with Megan. And we fell in love pretty quickly. Our vegetarianism was an instant bond, and we went vegan together before we were even official. That love carried us through seven years and a blossoming of both of our souls. While the romantic aspect of our relationship has been over for several years, we're still best of friends. You might know her, Megan. She used to be the co-host of this podcast. Megan Shackalackleford. 
<sighs> Since Megan, I've kissed a lot of women. I'm not ashamed to admit. I've been blessed to be this man I am with my own amazing vegan nourished genes that keep me looking years younger than I am. Sometimes I feel like the universe is giving me back some of the time I spent feeling alone and unlovable. I don't have much trouble meeting women who are amazing, but that kind of deep, 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 deep love I shared with Megan I haven't found again. Sometimes it's because I push people away to protect my heart. Sometimes I fall hard and my own love is unrequited. And a couple of times I spend a year with someone who is really close but not quite a fit. I give thanks for each and every one. If you listened to the last episode, you know that Megan has moved to Vancouver, Canada to get married. It's been a part of me hanging on, hanging on, tiny little heart, tiny little part, tiny little hope that someday we would get together again. But now, I'm laying that part of me to rest. And so there's an inherent sadness coupled with my unconditional love for Megan whose own joy brings me joy. Her fiancé seems pretty awesome, and so I have a chance here to root out jealousy in my heart and replace it with love. That's what yoga teaches us to do. Some of us might figure it out on our own. It's because the experience of Megan moving away that I'm now feeling that yearning again. I've broken down another wall, and my heart is free to love. Love. There's something beautiful in the yearning. All relationships are the opportunity to explore ourselves. We seek out mirrors to reflect back the parts of us that are lovable and the parts we cannot fathom. Depending on our interactions and reactions, we can expand like a mind on mushrooms or contract like a brain on booze. Unfold like a lotus flower or double down on being a dummy. Don't be a dummy. Love exists beyond it all. Because loving one person is loving small. Seeing the one in everyone allows us to see everyone inside of the one. Fun. I dedicate this episode to you, to everyone you have been inside of, and everyone who has been inside of you. Go vegan. I'm here with Ann Dinshaw, daughter of Jay and Freya Dinshaw, famous vegans. <laughs> How are you today? Hi, I'm doing great. Good to see you, Derek. Um, so you have a book that you've written. Is this your first book? No, it's my third book, but it's the first one that's uh, got lots of stories in it. The first two were exclusively recipe books. And the first one was Healthy Hearty Helpings, and the second one I co-wrote with Mary Beth Abrams. It's The Four Ingredient Vegan. Oh, yeah. And I didn't realize you were a part of that. Yes, and then this one's Dating Vegans, and it's mostly stories, but it does have 50 recipes in there. Wow, 50 recipes. Um, so Dating Vegans, what's, what's that about? <laughs> Well, it's uh, if one person in a relationship is vegan and the other one is not, it's how you can get along, how you can solve 
your dating dilemmas and so if two uh, people who are already vegan are dating they don't they're not going to have any problems so this is just for people in mixed relationships well i think if uh veganism is not an issue between you um then you might have a little less need for the book but i think it really helps to reinforce your values and i think it's a fun read for anybody uh, for me, as a lifetime vegan, it did help me reinforce my values to interact with a lot of people who are not vegan and answer their questions and just kind of live life and understand um, where they're coming from and their values as well and see where we could get along and enjoy a meagle, meal, meal together anyway. So you ended up um, staying with somebody and having a child. <laughs> Was this part of happened during your experiment? Well, I don't want to spoil the ending of the book. That would be like Tanya, the ending to a movie. People Did I already give it that. away? Well, it's okay if you know that I have a child. <laughs> <laughs> There's one strapped to your back right now. I figured something must have been successful. Yes, hopefully you all have success. Uh, but there are no guarantees in life, so I don't uh, guarantee the book will bring you the same success that I had. But I wish you the best of luck with it. <laughs> and so uh, tell, us, tell us a story out of the book. So these are all... Based on your personal dating experiences, do you have any other outside people that date in the book, too? Yes. Um, about half the stories in the book are my own personal experiences, uh, usually talking about people about on the third date when you're deciding if you really want to keep dating this person or stop dating them, and um, sharing a meal together and some dating adventures, going places together. And then I thought, since my experiences really didn't wind up being a long-term relationship, it would be good to talk to my friends who are in better relationships. <laughs> <laughs> so I profiled many couples where one person was vegan, the other person's not vegan, either now or when they started the relationship. And they have all sorts of wonderful solutions of how to get along. Um, one person lets her husband have one drawer in the refrigerator for meat and one designated pan of death, they call it, <laughs> and they get along famously. They're so compatible in other areas that they decided to figure out a way to make it happen. Where were we? So, oh, I asked you if your uh, partner that you had the child with, her is, are you still together? We are still together, and uh, we're learning a lot about each other every day. <laughs> Raising a vegan child together is uh, quite an experience when you have two completely different sets of values on what to feed them. But right now, our child's vegan, and um, both parents have the opportunity to explain what they believe in their cultural values and their heritage, and eventually our son has to decide for himself what he really believes in. That's a nice way to do it. I know a lot of people, uh, you know, the reaction from the typical person who's raised in the as a omnivore or meat eater, um, often if if they think if they see that you're making your child vegan, they they sometimes think that you're abusing them or you know that you should let them make the choice once they're older, but feed them meat while they're growing up or something, um, which is kind of a f odd. You know, when you're a vegan, that's an odd way to look at the world, but if you're encultured in the meat-eating paradigm, I guess it seems like treating a, raising a kid vegan is maybe some kind of weird thing to do. Do you have any thoughts? 
Well, even though he's only one and a half, Clint does help me scrub potatoes and do various other little chores in the kitchen. So he's learning how to prepare vegan food, and he's making a connection on what we do eat. I've also taken him to animal sanctuaries where he's gotten to pet a cow and walk with a pig and see them as being friends. And his dad is certainly not going to take him to a slaughterhouse or butcher something right in front of him. So he's learning my side in proportion to the amount of time that he spends with me and what I feel is appropriate and uh, what he sees when he's watching other people eat meat, I kindly explain, well, that really is a pig or that really is a cow. Do you remember going to that sanctuary and petting them? And he's not old enough to respond yet with words, but I know he makes a connection because he was just holding a picture of a pig on a postcard earlier today. <laughs> wow. So what, uh, what was it like for you growing up with uh, vegan parents? Were you vegan all your life? I've been a vegan all my life, and um, when I was younger, I really didn't appreciate the gift because um, it makes you different from your friends, and so I often didn't tell people that I was vegan, but now that I'm older, I do share that with people much earlier in conversations because it's something that I think is a good, good thing, and I'm proud of it, um, but I'm also very careful not to alienate people by throwing it at them, so I usually let them ask me first. Often it's, hey, you look great. What do you do? How, how do you do that? How do you look so young or so lively or have so much energy to chase after your kid and go dancing with them? And so when they ask me first, then I get to tell them, oh, well, I work as a rowing coach. And then I'll usually say, oh, and by the way, I'm vegan, too. And that really has a, a good dialogue. <laughs> Sounds like it's getting kind of crazy outside. Uh, we're, so we're at this vegan spirituality retreat, and um, how, how have you been enjoying the day so far? It's been great. It's my first vegan spirituality retreat. A uh, funny thing happened this week. We were at uh, Blackbird Pizza in Philadelphia, a vegan pizza place, and um, it was... Uh, Clint and his dad and myself and we were leaving and he saw a flyer and he goes huh bet you think I should go to something like that huh <laughs> and I laughed and I said well actually I'm speaking at that oh, wow. <laughs> he didn't even funny. know <laughs> no idea <laughs> but uh, he, he really does uh, support me and my values and that's that is truly what he appreciates in me most we have a, a deep respect for each other and um, he's come right out and said that he really likes that I'm vegan and that I am very strong on what I believe, that I don't waver on that. And has his meat eating reduced any since you've been together? He was vegan for two days. We were living apart, uh, very far apart. I was in Florida and he was in New Jersey and I mailed him a box of seven dozen vegan homemade cookies and that was all he ate for two days. <laughs> So he was vegan for health reasons for two days, right? Uh, vegan for love. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could live on cookies for a couple of days, I think. It might not feel good at the end of them. But <laughs> and, and you should know Derek's chewing on a vegan chocolate chip cookie this time. <laughs> I know. I, I, feel, uh, I feel bonded to your partner. And I haven't even met him. But um, all right. So anything else you'd like to say to our listeners in closing? 
Well, um, I'd like to encourage you to check out Dating Vegans, my new book, Recipes for Relationships. Uh, a lot of people think that they don't need a book. Ah, that's a self-help book. But really, it's a fun collection of stories that people in pretty much any situation could get some some good humor and some good ideas out of, especially if you have vegans in your life. Yep, and if you need a date, give me a call. <laughs> have a great day. Thank you, Derek. My name is Ian McDonald, um, Dr. Ian McDonald, um, if we're being formal. And my show is called The Vegan Option. Uh, my project, uh, it basically takes my BBC training and applies it to making really interesting radio that just happens to be vegan. It's uh, been available online for a couple of years. It's now on Resonance 104.4 FM in London and on British Public Radio. Um, my big project is vegetarianism, the story so far, the first ever cohesive radio history of vegetarianism from Pythagoras to the present. Huh. And we're just before the end of a Kickstarter. It's 94, people have pledged 94% of the basic costs oh, of the basic costs of the show. Uh, but of course, if it's Kickstarter, so if they don't, so if the other 6% is oh, not geez. pledged, uh, by the end of this weekend, <laughs> it's not funded. So what's the actual date? The 16th? Or? Uh, it is uh, It's the end of the 16th, midnight New York time. Midnight New York on the 16th. Oh, geez. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to get that 6%. <laughs> I know. I know. Fingers crossed. And well, it's not, there's not chance. It's down to the people. Yeah. It seems like a lot of those Kickstarters, a lot of the money comes through at the last minute. So, did you read the book by Rin Berry on the the history of, or like all these historic figures in vegetarianism? Um, He's written a few, yeah. but I haven't. Uh, but the one book of Rin Berry's I have used and loved and handed on to uh, somebody else was his Guide to New York. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, I've been. Um, I've, I mean, I know of Rimberry simply through iView history and picking up his work around uh, around here. But I've been very focused on the interaction with the Eastern vegetarians, um, and uh, preparing for that at the moment. So I haven't really gone on to Rimberry's work, which is he was somebody I was aware of. He was somebody I would have interviewed, um, and. That's the um, that uh, it really just brings it home. Well, it brings it home how fragile we all are. Um, right. Well, yeah. For the listeners that don't know, Rin passed. Uh, I think it was last month. I believe his his book that I read was Food of the Gods, um, which was kind of the history of different vegetarian spiritual leaders, the Buddha and. Gandhi and uh, I think even Jesus was in there with some evidence that he may have been a vegetarian. And then, yeah, I think Rimberry thought linked him with the Essenes. Yeah, and then and then there were recipes, and I remember that because it was one of the when I first went vegan eighteen years ago. Um, it was it was out around that time, or maybe a little after, but it was one of the early 
vegetarian books and cookbooks I've read that, and you know, I was interested in Buddhism and things, so it was a pretty cool mm. thing. And then, then he kind of got into the New York Times and different publications for uh, the the Hitler controversy. His book about Hitler, neither vegetarian nor animal lover. I think the New York Times published a column um, saying that Hitler was a vegetarian, and then Rinberry kind of mm-hmm. wrote in and said, "No, wait a minute here," and started this mm. whole thing. So he he was a cool guy, and I just it is mm. since we're talking about history, I, I think it's nice to uh, remember, remember Rin. Yeah, I want to talk about love because we're doing a Valentine's Day show. Um, do you have any um, knowledge of like famous vegan couples from the past? That of course the. F- further back we go into history the more likely it is that couples who work together really strongly um the the woman will be subsumed behind the 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 man uh but uh but if you listen to the vegan options episode about animals and science fiction you might remember frankenstein was written by mary shelley yeah at a basically a vegetarian house share in the in the alps um and she was best known to her contemporaries uh as the widow well the wife and for much of her life the widow of percy by shelley who wrote very mythical pro-vegetarian poetry that she later published so basically her she was no she was known as a vegetarian campaigner that kept his memory alive and um uh, and and for all all his violence, the the creature, um, Frankenstein's monster, as the movies call call him, but in the uh, in the book, simply the creature, the creature was pleading to be allowed to go off into the rainforest and eat fruits and leaves and basically <laughs> be vegan. Um, so this is a real um, vegetarian ethos in Mary Shelley's work. So you're you're in England. Mm. And um, are you uh, are you a single person, or do you are you on the dating scene? I'm I'm a single person, and therefore on the dating scene. <laughs> and what's what's the uh, so you live right in in London, like a busy I'll... city where there's probably a lot of vegans. Fair number and a thriving vegan social scene. I'm thriving city, lots of people. So um, obviously. <laughs> You can go to London Vegan Drinks or, oh, cool. um, or or other events from the London Vegan Meetup, and you'll be in a room uh, at the bigger events with 60, 100 other people who are vegan or vegan curious. Um, so, so it's not the situation where of, of, of days of yore or in more isolated areas where where it's hard to pair up with other vegans. Yeah. I looking around at my looking around at my vegan friends, I'd say those of them that have paired off, about half of them have vegan partners, about half of them have 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 non vegan partners. I, I'm on a couple of singles Facebook groups and you see people going, Goodness me, I'm the only vegan I know, I will and people pairing off with people from other countries. Yeah, well, that's that's um, on the other side of a very big, big country. 
because um, because they, there isn't that critical mass where they are. Uh, and one of the great things the internet has done has is give us this opportunity to bring people together. Right. That, that all those things can happen. And, and, so I guess if, if you're one of the people who's uh, who can't date a non-vegan, who's that's out of the question, then then going on an online dating site and meeting someone who lives somewhere else is a is an option. Living in London, uh, you're pretty likely to end up relocating anyway. And it actually, living on planet Earth, you're pretty likely to end up trying online dating anyway. Yeah. So. Either of those, so either of those are pretty much normal. I think, particularly one of the inter one of the factors about London is the population flux, which changes the vegan scene quite a bit. But okay, uh, last girlfriend uh, was from somewhere else in the European Union and went back there. The girlfriend before that <laughs> was American, and before that. You're just like an international man of intrigue. I, well, I, yes, but I wouldn't be that <laughs> whether I was or not. Uh, but this is, um, I think that might just be life in a cosmopolitan city, that it's yeah. actually pretty normal. Single people tend to be, have their lives in flux. And I think you've moved around the United States quite a bit. Yeah, well, you know, I moved down to New Orleans because of a, a vegan woman that I met online and, uh, and then New York City, yeah, definitely. I meet a mix of women from all over the world here. So that's I've only, I haven't dated that many. I had a, I had a girlfriend for like a year, and she, or you know, it was easy because she was already vegan and an activist. So I'm not I'm not limiting myself to vegans, but I think there needs to be a little bit of consciousness about food issues from the get go, or else you know it's just too much if somebody's eating gristly steak in front of me or something and I did a show actually um Dr. Diana Fleischman and uh Colleen Patrick Goudreau and I did a show about attitudes towards vegetarians where Diana who's a lecturer in psychology talks to Dr. Julia Minson who's done research into attitudes to vegetarians and there's a lot of uh there's actually a enough study to be able to know that when people when omnivores are awkward around vegetarians and i'm saying vegetarians because that's the study of what the study was about but i'm sure it's good. The, the data for vegans will be the same uh there's a there's a lot of imagining the vegetarians being more judgmental than the vegetarians really are because once the vegetarians there then you can ignore the fact that you're eating a dead animal yeah it's... yeah just that's that's the thing to, just your presence um and you're not eating meat as as a kind of judgment or people can feel like it's a judgment against them <clears throat> even mm. if you're not stating anything with your language i'll confess something because I, I went to a dating event at a buddhist festival and it was lined up so it was exactly the same number as men of men and of women. And I felt, com I, I, confession here, I felt a degree of competition from the other men. I felt 
as if I wasn't used to having this much competition. I've never noticed this objectively, but subjectively, if I'm very aware of competition when the ratio is one to one, then that probably means that most of the rest of the time the ratio isn't one to one, that actually there are more, are more vegan single women. But in, in conversation, um, the, the the women alongside us certainly don't don't consider the choice to be that great. Um, they don't uh, do feel as if they're just out of that many vegan men, and they have to accept uh, possibly dating a non-vegan partner. A few, several years ago, I dated a lot more non-vegans, but now the scene is thriving and. And the choice is there that I've got a fair degree of confidence that that's not something I need to um, I'm, I need to compromise on, so to speak. I mean, like everybody, I've got my list of qualities I look for in a partner, and and treating other animals with basic decency is fairly high on the list. Um, and they don't have to be in exactly the same space as me, but there has to be that. Uh, but somebody who wasn't open to that, I kind of couldn't see myself building a life with. But again, I'm, I'm saying that because I can say that, which um, which is a function of the fact that I, I live in a city with a decent vegan scene. Cool. I'm going to come visit. <laughs> we got a Jiva Mukti Yoga Center over there, so I could come over there and teach yoga for a little bit and go on dates with the beautiful vegan women of London. I think maybe I'll start a Kickstarter just for that. <laughs> uh, they don't fund personal development. That's right. I'll, I'll make yes, it into, I, a, I'll make it into a art project. <laughs> um, I will that, that, that may work. One of them and. <laughs> Make an exhibit. You're, yes, you're going to make a podcast about your <laughs> 20 vegan dates. Um, yes, the, the the chat about Kickstarter, I should mention to your audience, is because uh, the vegetarianism, the story so far, the, the first radio history of vegetarianism that I'm planning is being funded by a Kickstarter campaign that ends at the end of this weekend. Okay. And, and is it no? But we can talk about that properly later. But you were mentioning no, Kickstarter. Uh, just and... uh, get, give us the whole laydown. What else? What's what's um, what exactly is going to be funded? What is the money going to be used for? What do you what do you want to tell us about it? The money is for. Uh, it's for. The, actually, let me start at the beginning. <laughs> uh, the it's the the movement doesn't have uh, uh, a popular history that people can 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 listen to while they're doing the washing up or commuting, and I think that will really help build the movement together. It has uh, it has a a couple of books, mostly written from outside and taking specific angles on it, but actually we're part of an epic story um, that poke its nose out of history in the shamanic era of Buddha and Mahavir in ancient India and Pythagoras in in ancient Greece 
uh, an idea of sparing animals dinner table that that develops over time, and I uh, and I, I and I, I want to tell that story in a way that's going to be a permanently downloadable resource for the movement, and I want to tell it properly. Properly, I'm a BBC trained radio producer. Um, I want to tell the story with all the tools that puts at my disposal. I want to take you, I want to take the listener to the places where the story unfolded and uh, and, and hear from the experts. Um, there are m many experts about different bits of the story. I want to bring it to life with dramatic readings from the people who changed the world from anim for animals. I want to take everyone to the places and that requires a bunch of research. It requires uh, a bit more equipment to improve field recording. It requires travel because I, to do this properly, I need to go to the places where these people are. And of course, there are the practical costs of hosting and streaming um, and, and all of that. Yeah. Um, so I am funding this with a Kickstarter. Um, I'm offering people some great rewards. So um, to offering to send you a postcard from a place where the world changed for animals, yeah. offering the series on a stick, a USB stick, and and at the higher levels, sponsorship, your name on an episode, a food and history tour of London, and Oh, wow. uh, and, and coaching on your on your own radio show from <laughs> all my experience. Okay, the Kickstarter, Kickstarter is a crowdfunding website. It's at kickstarter.com. And going to the crowdfunding, you just go to kickstarter.com and search for vegetarian history. And your website is theveganoption.org. Yes. Yes, and there's a big link to the Kickstarter campaign there, but also all the old episodes about everything from the medieval Arab poet Abu al-Amari to um, to the Olympics and attitudes towards vegetarians. We're here with Ben Shaberman. So you're a author of vegan books. Have you just got the two books now? Well, the vegan monologues came out in 2009, and I'm still uh, working to publish Jerry's Vegan Women. Oh, it's not published yet. Okay. Nope. <clears throat> so you've got a new book that's about Jer uh, a, a fictional, semi-fictional character, Jeremy, Jerry, and uh, Jerry. Yeah, right. Jerry, and has has. Uh, his romantic encounters as a vegan? Yeah, that's part of it. Um, as you read the stories, you see him transition uh, from being uh, omnivore to a vegan, and the transition occurs, you see the transition occur through his different relationships with women. Some are romantic, some are, are platonic, just everyday people he comes across. But they're all females. Exactly. Cool. <laughs> and is this, does this have any autobiographical um, underpinnings? Or? It, it does. It does. I think 
the one reason I decided to write the book was I I've been inspired by a lot of women, especially uh, in being a vegetarian and then a vegan. And it's a very, uh, well, being vegan, you come across a lot of women, and um, women tend to be very passionate about animal rights and and uh, healthy eating, and uh, I find that very inspiring. I think it's one um, part of society where women are really... I guess if you want to um, say this, the the thought leaders in many ways. And I, I think even though you and I are obviously men, um, when you look at the movement in general, there's a lot of women who have played leadership roles. And uh, I, I think that's inspiring. Yeah. You know, you, you look at other sectors of society, politics, government while women have obviously made a lot of inroads they've been male dominated for a long time but this world is very much uh, a female world again not that there's not guys like you and I but um, definitely a a lot of women not a bad thing (laughs) no but yeah I think like uh, I'm trying to find this um, Gandhi quote that I just recently saw Oh, yeah. To call women the weaker sex is a libel. It is a man's injustice to women. Oh, it is man's injustice to women. Woman. If by strength is meant moral power, then woman is immeasurably man's superior. If nonviolence is the law of our being, then our future is with women. Woman. That's a nice quote. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think women tend to lead with compassion and um, nonviolence where <laughs> as as we've seen throughout history men can lead with uh, their egos and their testosterone so any dating advice for vegans out there I've been uh, in a relationship now for 10 years oh, with genie uh, so I, I haven't been out in the field very much but a point that I, I've made in some of my essays and in my book is that, um, and it kind of gets back to what we were just talking about, for heterosexual guys, the, the field is kind of wide open because um, so many there are so many more women than men in the vegan community. And, um, you know, vegans are also good organizers. So there's always potlucks and... Uh, if you're into going to, let's say, a circus protest or a run for the animals, there's always ways to get out there and and uh, meet new people, men or women. And I think what's nice about it is you you already have the common ground of being vegan. And uh, even if you don't fa- find somebody who's uh, romantically interesting to you or vice versa, you still have friends to make. I think vegans can become quick friends because of the common, yeah. uh, the common bond. Mm. So I, I guess you could say my advice is just get out in the vegan community, um, especially if you're a guy, and you're going to meet a lot of women. <laughs> That's the bottom line. And is that how you met your 
girlfriend? Partner? Yeah, actually, um, I was fairly new to the. I was living in Baltimore at the time, and I had been living there about three months. And I, I forget how I heard about it, but um, uh, a group called the Vegetarian Resource Group was having a dinner at Mister Chan's, which. I'll give a plug for Mr. Chan's. It's great. Uh, <laughs> vegan food in Baltimore, vegan Chinese. And um, I just decided to go to the dinner to uh, meet new people. And at the at the time, Jeannie had a number of roles at VRG, and she was the volunteer coordinator. So uh, I, I had a nice dinner. I met Jeannie. I decided to volunteer, and the rest, as they say, is history. And so we've been together. Uh, it's almost ten years now. That's amazing. So, well, you you, you were successful at dating. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that that happened pretty fast. Yeah. And actually, when we met, I was I was vegetarian. I was not vegan. At, oh, at really? That. So. Uh, um. Really, through her cats and my admiration of them, I, I became vegan, I guess it was in 2004. Sweet. And then you wrote a book. And then I wrote a book. And now you're on your second one. So what, what's, the, uh, what's it looking like for publishing? Well, I've had some interest, um, but I still haven't um, come to uh, find the right publisher yet. Okay. But I'm working on it. And, uh, you know, one thing that I'm excited about the book um, for is that there there really isn't much vegan fiction out there. Yeah. Um, and the book, uh, while there's a lot of, of the typical vegan issues, the animals, the diet, uh, the activism, those are all parts of uh, different stories. I, I try to make I, I tried to make the stories somewhat universal in that they cover uh themes like work and love and search for identity. So even if a non vegan reads the book, I think they'll be able to make a connection to it because it's the everyday things that people of every dietary persuasion go through. Is there anywhere online that people can see a preview of it or anything like one of the stories it's called missy um was published in an online journal called whips w-i-p-s and which stands for I, I think it stands for writing writers in progress and um i posted that story to my website as well ben com. so you can read that story uh, oh, online and Whips also did a, a, a text interview, so you can read a, an interview that's a little more um, focused on the book rather than my vegan lifestyle. <laughs> but uh, that that reveals a little more about the book as well. Cool. Well, it's so it's good to finally catch up with you and um, let us know when the book comes out so we can plug it. Thank you, and um, I hope everybody out there has great. Valentine's Day, regardless of what the weather might be.
Hello. Hello. How are you? How are you? <laughs> Good. Good. Thank you. <laughs> Where are you in Australia or something? Yeah, Brisbane. Wow. So about almost twelve thirty here today on Friday. So twelve thirty in, in the, the future in the afternoon. Yes. Oh, so it's already. Do you guys celebrate Valentine's Day there? Yes. So it's already Valentine's. So oh, happy wow. Valentine's. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, you're my first uh, first Valentine of the day. It's very exciting. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, my um, co-host isn't with me, so I usually have a female voice to bounce off of, so I'm, I'm yep. glad to have. <laughs> so you're going to be my um, surrogate co-host. No this. problem. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> I um, thought when I saw the message this morning when I signed in, I thought, yeah, hell, hell yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you could be spontaneous. Yeah. <laughs> and so to introduce our listeners, you have your own podcast and your name's Leah Chantel. Lee Chantel. Lee Chantel. Yeah, Lee Chantel. Lee. And what's your podcast? So the podcast is vivalavegan.net. So that's a website that I've run for quite a few years, since 2005 that's been running. And um, I have a lot of people wanting me to do podcasts all the time, so I'm trying to get back into that this year. <laughs> so we're, do we're doing this show about vegan dating. Are you currently single or dating? Or, uh, do you have I'm a... currently single. Oh, my goodness. Happily single. Happily. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon? You're happily single. So, so Valentine's Day, even though you're single, you don't, you don't mind it because you're happy. Um, yeah, well, it doesn't really mean anything to me, to be honest. So yeah. even when I have been with a partner, it doesn't really mean much. So it's just another day. I'm not really into all those commercialized events. <laughs> um, my parents have been married over, what, 35 years. They're still together, happily married. So they get excited about Valentine's Day, which is lovely. <laughs> so they're happy. Yeah, they're happy. Got, they're best friends and all good, that. Good role models. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my parents are still together too, and I I think they're they're mostly happy in their their way, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's good. There's not know. that many people that are still together. Like a lot of I my know. friends, you know, their parents have broken up, or yeah. So it's good when you do see long term relationships work and actually thrive. Right. Mm. So what about you, Derek? Oh, I'm I'm single. Mm -hmm. Happily or looking. Um. Oh, is that those are the choices? Happily or looking? I mean, oh, I, no. <laughs> I think I, I'm happy, <laughs> happy, and you know, I always want to be open to the possibility when it comes along. It's it's not like my life's mission or anything. Yeah. But, yeah. Exactly. But it's nice, especially in the winters here. It gets so cold. You know, you need someone to snuggle with at night. <laughs> yeah I've been traveling the past few years I actually haven't had a full winter for five years so wow. I'm sticking around for the next couple of years so that's going to be a bit hard to get used to I think <laughs> are you is it summer where you are now or yeah so it's summer so uh what I'll have a look at what the temperature is at the moment and tell you so it's um, 29 degrees Celsius, which is like 84 Fahrenheit at the moment. Well, that sounds nice. Yeah, it's lovely. And I always start the day with laps in the pool. 
so that's always good. <laughs> but starting the pool's starting to get a bit um, cold, actually, I must say. Oh, really? Mm. You must say. <laughs> I must say. <laughs> well, your website's very nice looking. Thank you. Thank you. Been working on it for quite a few years. So it's finally, last year actually, it was finally where I wanted it to be. So, so it's is really this like a social media site? Um, I say multimedia, so there's like a lot of different content on there, like uh, re mostly regular and daily content, and then we yeah across all the social media channels, and um, in particular Google Plus. Like I have massive interaction with people on Google Plus. That's that one and Twitter and YouTube are my favourites at the moment. <laughs> cool. Um, but yeah, we have articles and blogs and podcasts and videos and interviews and lots and lots of things. Have any um, people met on your site and fallen in love and become married or anything? Oh, I haven't heard of that. No, they haven't. No. No. If anyone has, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Is, where, where are most of your members? Are they all over the world or...? Yeah, all over the world. Um, I have most. I have a lot of people from the states. So about forty-four percent of my followers and readership are from the states, in particular California. And then close second is Australia, and in particular Melbourne. Melbourne. <laughs> Melbourne, yes. <laughs> so what? Melbourne's the like in Australia that's our main sort of vegan hub. So there's a lot more vegan restaurants there. There's a lot more vegan people. Yeah, it's a good place. Wow. Well, so we'll be there next weekend. In Melbourne? Mm-hmm. Yeah, next week going to Melbourne, the week after going to Sydney. So that'll be good. Who are you going with? Oh, just myself. Oh, just okay. I've got quite a few friends down there. So, yeah, well, that'd be cool. I teach uh, Jiva Mukti Yoga, and we have a Jiva Mukti Center in Sydney. Oh, cool. Do you so, know where? Um, specifically, um, like Newtown, maybe, or probably that sounds familiar. Is that a a vegan hub too in Sydney? Oh, really? Mm. Cool. A bit well, more alternative, sort of, as well. So I could, well, I could come there and teach yoga. Yeah, why not? Yeah. You haven't <laughs> been to Australia before? No, I was gonna I was gonna say that if you and I were dating, then we could spend summers in the different we could set, spend American summer here and I could go down there for Australian <laughs> summer and we would never have to deal with winter again exactly that's um that does sound very good I like the idea of following the sun around the world <laughs> well. a couple of the vegan people I've dated in the states that hasn't worked out that well though <laughs> no um, just the long distance thing or just traveling back and forth yeah long distance um i really like to travel too so i'd like to find someone who wants to travel and not just within america like outside of that and people that like other cultures so yeah well i do like other cultures mm -hmm, good i'm ready to go <laughs> <laughs> take me away <laughs> so have you dated many vegan girls before derek um, yeah, well, I think, uh, three out of my four main relationships were vegans, but you know, I'm not, uh, I don't know. 
I, I don't know. It, it would be interesting to date a non-vegan who like ate meat in front of me and things. That would be that would be a challenge. Well, you know, the majority of people I've dated have been non-vegan. I've only really been with one person that's vegan. Yeah. And that, so, yeah. Sorry. How how did it go? Did you did you ever convert anyone or get anyone to? I mean, probably they when you cook they would eat vegan. I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And I have so many friends and people that say, oh, I'd be vegan if you could cook for me all the time. <laughs> you know, that's, I hear that so many times, but, um, I, you know, that's not really them taking much responsibility, is it? So, um, I guess, you know, I, I don't know, like I always thought when I was younger, I'm just waiting for a compatible vegan male and, um, then I just, you know, have a few, short-term sort of relationships for a while and then sooner or later it would become a problem with the vegan stuff in particular because pretty much every guy I've dated wants to have babies and get married Uh and that's not really on the top of my list of things to do, you know. (laughs) So um, that's – and especially if um, I disagree with the way some of them would live their life in general too. So I would never, especially one guy um, a few years back, he wanted to have babies and he told me that as soon as we met and I knew that and that was fine. And we just sort of um, were just seeing how things would go and then I saw him around his family and, you know, he was a smoker too. I would never date a smoker again. And just really not supportive of the vegan stuff and um, and his family. You know, it was just normal for them to sit around as a family, smoking, drinking, swearing around kids. And I just was sitting there one day thinking, there's no way I would have children with this person. So <laughs> that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> and, you know, there's a, one of my friends, Carol Glasser, she's um, in L.A. She wrote, has a website called vagina.net. And, um, yeah, so combining Let's just get right to the V-Day. and vegan. <laughs> Veg- and she vagina. did this really great um, speech at the um, Critical Animal Studies Conference in Minneapolis last year. And it's on her website too, actually. Um, and she's talking about how, you know, you can, we, as vegans, if you want to have children, she's like, we should be adopting kids. Like we're encouraging people to do with like dogs and cats and animals instead of creating more people on this earth that, you know, we can't really handle. And, um, then, you know, those people that you adopt, then if you create them into a vegan child, then you're not bringing just someone new into the world that may or may not be vegan, probably won't. Wow. It was a really, really interesting talk and the article. That's cool. Well, I'm I'm yeah. down I'm definitely down with adoption over having your own anyway, so Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, but you know, I guess when I was younger I had you have like lists of what you want and things like that, but as you get a bit older you realise, you know, what's important and you know, I'm a bit more open to you know, not dating vegans anymore. I'm actually probably would prefer it in a lot of cases because, um, you know, there's, I found out a few years back, it was a pretty hard lesson to learn that, um, you know, just because someone is vegan doesn't mean they're a nice person. 
And, um, you know, and, you know, the other side of that as well is just because someone's not vegan doesn't mean they're a nice, it doesn't mean they're not a nice person. So I'm just trying to find a nice, compatible person that I enjoy their company, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well. And I think that's what matters really when you bring it, when you bring it down to the basics. And, you know, um, Colleen Patrick Gordeau, she, she says this great story of when she met her partner and she said he was this compassionate, loving guy, not vegan. And then over the years they've been together, he, you know, he's still a compassionate and loving guy and now he's vegan as, as well. So, you know, you can, people can become vegan over time if they want. Yeah, it's true. And I, I guess I'm, you know, when I first became vegan, I was like 17 years ago, actually this month. And, oh, really? um, yeah, and I just, I just had my 18th. Oh, cool! So we're very close. I know. I, I think but, we maybe we should just start dating. That seems like <laughs> the, the only logical outcome of this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know about you, but when I first became vegan, I just like I when I found out the truth, I just became vegan. So I just assumed when other people found out the truth, they also would become vegan. Yeah, And that's, that's quite yeah. disappointing when you, when you realize the truth for yeah, most yeah. people. But, and I guess, you know, I'm not as intense as I used to be with people. I'm more for planting seeds and just letting other people come to their own sort of decisions. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think, I think that's it. And just as long as you find someone who's nice and also keep in mind we're 1% of the population at best. Vegan. You're really limiting your options. If you only you're limiting your options. And, um, I don't know if you saw that video I sent you. I do a, um, a, a weekly question and answers series on my vivalavegan.net YouTube channel. Okay. And one of them was, do you only date vegans? And um, I was just telling this story about because I love reality TV and like all the social social sort of conditioning sort of ones. And um, there was this one called uh, Tough Love, where this guy and his mum are like matchmakers and they try and help people overcome relationship issues and that. And there was this really cool. Um, example that still sticks in my mind he had this room of like 100 um eligible single guys and they had some girls up on stage and there was this one girl and he said okay you tell you tell the audience what you're looking for and the people that aren't what you're looking for will get them to sit down so she gets up there and she goes okay I don't want to date any smokers so if you're a smoker just sit down and that was Uh maybe about half of the people and um, which I agree 100% with the non-smoker thing now. And then because she was really into fitness, she said you have to go to the gym at least three times a week. And so the majority of those people sat down (laughs) and then there was a small amount left and she said, you know, you have to make over like quite a big amount of money per year. And she said that and only two guys were left standing after that out of 100 Wow. And then this guy, Steve, the host, he goes, okay, do you find either of these guys attractive? And she's like, no. Nope. <laughs> so, <laughs> so out the of show 100, is over? Pardon? 
the show was over at that point? No, that was just one of the girls out of eight. But, like, it was just showing out of 100 with all these things that she put in her head that she needed, out of these 100 guys, she had no options in the end because of what what she thought she wanted. Yeah. So if you limit yourself, I think, to 1% of the population that's vegan and then add your own, like, compatibility or whatever onto that, the field's very, very narrow. Yeah. Well, it's getting bigger. It's pretty yeah, big definitely. in New York City. There's a lot of, a lot of vegans. Oh, yeah. New York's great. L.A. Actually, Israel's doing amazing things oh, with, really? I don't know if you've heard, but like something like 30% of the population's gone vegan. Yeah. So maybe we all need to go to Israel. <laughs> well, I don't know if they'll date a, a Gentile like me, but. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there's I'm also. I'm not kosher. Pardon? I said I'm not kosher. Yeah, that might not work. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also more options for vegan guys, isn't there? Like, you know, because there's a hell of a lot more girls to guys ratio in the vegan population yeah i'm just yeah it's true or girls that want to date girls as well <laughs> i think it's a um a good reason for guys that um, may be looking for love to go vegan <laughs> i know you got the, might have some more options you got a, a, a lot of possibilities as a vegan guy yeah definitely that's right but here i am alone on valentine's day Oh, Derek. Oh, woe is me. Woe is me. <laughs> that does sound sounds like you're very sad about that, and I'm sorry yes. that you're sad yeah. about that. I'm glad you're here to console me at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lee, I should probably end this. I have a lot sure. of uh, a lot of editing and a lot of time, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I just want to thank you for coming on and. Uh, wish you lots of luck with your site viva la vegan dot com thank you is it dot dot, dot net dot net but dot com will get there as well viva la viva 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 <laughs> viva la vegan dot net and yes exactly and I have a new intro tune actually on my videos and it goes like viva la vegan viva la vegan As he walked down into the mall, proudly toting a pink and white Victoria's Secret bag, Jerry decided to reward himself for his shopping achievement by heading over to the food court and getting one of his favorite vegan splurges, a baked potato swimming in ketchup. A Thai family ran a little sandwich place that served baked potatoes, and they'd always have a long, drawn-out conversation among themselves when Jerry ordered a plain baked potato. They'd laugh, seemingly bemused by the minimalistic request. He repeated his order to make sure they understood what he wanted. That's correct. No butter, no sour cream, no cheese. Yes, plain, but with ten packets of ketchup. Ten, he'd say, showing all of his fingers. Jerry began to have second thoughts about the gift of sexy undergarments for Missy as he sat at a table in the food court and squirted ketchup on his steaming potato. Maybe it would seem to Missy like he was just interested in having sex with her, that the gift was more about what he wanted than her. 
And actually, there was some truth to that. But their physical attraction to one another was what brought them together in the first place. That and the fact that they were both vegan. So it did make sense to try to resurrect that aspect of their relationship. But just to be safe, he'd better get those James Taylor concert tickets, too. Maybe he'd wait until the cruise to give her the lingerie. He couldn't believe it. In just four weeks, he'd be married to Missy for the rest of his life. As Jerry dug into the potato and watched the lunchtime crowd milling around the various eateries, he was shocked to see Missy and a familiar-looking woman, perhaps one of her colleagues from the Cancer Coalition office, standing in front of Chicky Wicky, looking at the overhead menu board. At first he was concerned that she'd see him with a Victoria's Secret bag, ruining the surprise of his gift to her. But then he wondered why they were in front of Chicky Wicky, a regional fast food chain notorious for cramming birds in tiny battery cages and inhumane slaughtering practices. An undercover investigation had revealed that the franchise's process was so sloppy, Chicky Wicky's chickens were often alive when they were thrown into boiling water to be cooked. In fact, the Vegetarian Action Committee had organized a protest last year in front of the busiest Chicky Wicky in metropolitan D.C. to demand more humane treatment of the birds. Jerry was horrified to see Missy and her companion walk up to the register and order. Even if she only got Chicky Wicky's fries, they weren't likely to be vegan because they were probably cooked in the same oil as the chicken, a lard-based oil for all he knew. Regardless of what they ordered, Chicky Wicky was the enemy. How on earth could she patronize those monsters? Jerry watched a young clerk hand Missy a tray with two containers, the familiar orange boxes that Chicky Nuggets came in, and two large drinks. A few minutes later, he watched Missy and her colleagues sitting at a table, taking the fried pieces of chicken from the boxes, dipping them in containers of sauce, and then putting them into their mouths. The scene was horribly surreal. Missy didn't give a second thought to eating what had once been a breathing, sentient creature. is good like it is finally right to make maybe we could have have just one night of quiet and no more killing where no one screams no animal shouts and it is peaceful on all farms you you are the slow slow wreckers of of beautiful lives it's time you knew just how wrong you at the store asking how come I am not so murderous too when the killer the killer is 